Hello and welcome to Back to Mode King's Mellow, the show that follows the fantastic Chelsea FC women's team. And now the weekend saw Chelsea return to FA Cup action with the visit of Championship side Crystal Palace to King's Meadow. Uh, Chelsea uh, just played Sunderland in midweek in the Conti Cup, uh, as we reviewed on our last episode on Friday. Uh, so they knew that the challenge that the Championship sides can face. Uh, they reacted by putting out their strongest possible team uh, with a couple of illnesses thrown in as well. Uh, and ended up taking 81 minutes to break down a stubborn Crystal Palace defence when Mara Ramirez got her first Chelsea goal with an exquisite back uh, back heel into the net. Uh, and the title of uh, tonight's show, Went to Mokin's Meadow, one, episode number 121, sorry, uh, is A Touch of Cut Magic. Um, and thankfully, uh, as I'm your host, Dean, wasn't able to even watch the match. and was just watch highlights. I have got two guests with me who were there and they're going to spill the tea on all the goings-on uh, at King's Meadow uh, this weekend. Uh, starting in no particular order with the excellent Sophie Spittle. Sophie, good to see you again. Yes, and you, Dean. Um, evening to the other guest. I won't steal your thunder, Dean. Um, yeah, good to be back. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, and uh, the always excellent Rich Bates. Rich, good to see you as well. Yeah, good to be back on the show, Dean. Um, we'll see how much I've got to say about this particular game. I don't know if there's a lot that can be said, really, but we'll give it a go. Well, I've obviously done like, the decent thing and watched the highlights and uh, got about three questions from it. Uh, so we'll see how that um, that goes. Uh, we will be joined at some point by Dane, who I know didn't watch the match either. Um, well, I'm sure didn't watch the match because he never does. Uh, so we'll see what he's got to say on, on it. Um, now remember, you can listen to the show live uh, every Tuesday and the occasional Friday on Mixler's mixlr.com. Search if I went to Moking below. And if you sign up to an account there, you can join in the show by posting on the live chat page, as Buffer has already this evening, and you can join in the show and put your comments in, and I'll try and get them uh, read out as we go. Uh, and now remember, if you are listening to the show on the Went Smokies Meadow podcast platform, uh, please do leave us a nice five-star review, or if you think it's terrible, a one-star review, any review will do. Um, I'll take ones or fives, uh, nothing in between, please. Um, on the show tonight, in part one, we're going to look at that 1-0 win over Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. But then in part two, look ahead to the massive WSL clash on Friday uh, where we take on Manchester City uh, at home. And we're going to do all that right after this. Straight into the action on the lineup. Then uh, Chelsea in a four-two-three-one. Hannah Hampton goal. Uh, Ashley Lawrence, Jess Carter, Natalie Bjorn, and Neve Charles in defence. Uh, Aaron Cuthbert and Melly Leopold's in midfield with Johanna Ritten, Cameron, Frank Kirby, and Guru Wrighton supporting Mayra Ramirez up front. Uh, Emma Hayes using three subs in this match. Um, remembering what subs are. Uh, Beaver Jones and Jurgen Niskan coming on for Johanna Ritten, Cameron, and Frank Kirby. In the 62nd minute, and then Yelena Chankovic coming on for Guru Wrighton uh, in the 76th minute. That left Chirimizovic, Sophie Ingle, Lauren James, Ipera Se, Michael Hermano, and Kanisha Buchanan as unused subs. 
Stats-wise, Chelsea with 76% possession, 13 shots, 3 on target, 7 corners and 4 fouls. Two Crystal Palaces, 24% possession, 2 shots, none on target, 1 corner and 7 fouls. Uh, no one's going to ask Dane the first question, but obviously he's not here yet. Um, so, Sophie, when we spoke on the podcast on Friday, uh, I thought that Emma might stick with sort of a similar team that beat Sunderland in midweek, given the level of opposition. Uh, Dane thought there'd be a few players coming in, such as Hampton, Cuthbert, uh, Wrighton and, and Lauren James. Uh, but as it was, um, James aside, Chelsea's sort of strongest team at the minute. Was you surprised to see that lineup? No, I thought it would be. I thought she'd go strong, hopefully get some early goals and then take players off at half-time or 60 minutes. As it happened, it didn't pan out like that, but that was my theory. And also, I think if you give players too long a rest between Sunderland and Man City, they look rusty because they're not... These players are used to playing Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, whatever it is, twice a week, and you take them out of that rhythm. And I don't necessarily, for some players, I don't necessarily think it's the best thing. So I was expecting to see a strong team. Um, I think I probably would have said that team, especially she didn't make any substitutes on the Sunderland game. So it wasn't surprising to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, Rich, I don't know who Lauren, who came in for Lauren, was it Fran? Fran, yeah. I, I, I noticed it straight after they'd like sort of broken up from the team photo. <laughs> I noticed it sort of straight away that, hang on, Fran's on the pitch, someone's come out because obviously she wasn't in the original starting lineup and then worked out that. After about like a couple of seconds, that it was Lauren. Thinking, oh, uh, okay. Um, obviously, was there for the warm up. Didn't see anyone sort of have any issues in the warm up. Um, so wondered what on earth it was. Whether it was just like I don't know, like a muscle been pulled and we just hadn't noticed, or what. Obviously, it turns out that you know she was ill, um, which I guess is the you know you don't want Lauren to be ill but in terms of you know reasons that you'd be out of a game that's probably the best one um but yeah it was it was a bit of a shock <laughs> we've gone through all of the lineups um everything looked okay and then yeah came out and LJ wasn't there I, yeah. I must admit I did notice that when Fran was walking off the pitch the guy with the clipboard was talking to her and I thought that's a bit random talking to Fran she's walking off the pitch. And Lauren was the first to leave the pitch. I thought she was limping slightly. So when she wasn't in the team, I assumed it was an injury, but clearly it wasn't. It was illness. Um, so, yeah, it made sense then why this guy was talking to Fran as she was walking off the pitch after the warm-up. Yeah, there was a picture of her after the game with her big coat on. And she did look rough. Uh, yeah. Well. So uh, hopefully uh, they get that cold out of her and she's all fit for Friday. Uh, to talk about that. Now... As I mentioned already, I, I did only watch the highlights. Uh, and the first half consisted of just one chance for Hannah and Cameron, who went round the Palace keeper uh, and then put the ball into the side netting. And that was it. Then it went immediately on to the second half. Uh, Sophie, was that a fair reflection of, of Chelsea in the first half? Not necessarily. Fran Kirby, after about two minutes, had a shot that sort of looped and landed on the top of the net. And I just think if that had gone in, we would have seen a completely different game. And there were a few other chances as well, not as clear-cut as they were against Sunderland, but there were a few other chances um, at that end. But again, Rich and I are the same situation here. It was the other end of the pitch from us. We couldn't see how clear-cut they were. Um, so I think there's probably a few more than, than those highlights showed, but there wasn't a lot. Palace were very resolute in their defending um, and very physical. 
yeah, something we'll mention uh, a bit later with, with Emma Hayes' quotes after the match. Um, so, Rich, obviously, when we watch highlights, we're at the hands of the editor. Um, they put in what they want us to see. Um, would you be on the side that Chelsea played well but Palace defended well? Or Chelsea were, were poor and Palace were just a pain in the, pain in the arse, basically? I would say that we didn't play well um, until I think the first couple of subs came on in the second half. Um, and then we started to see um, a bit more sort of quicker play sort of out wide trying to st- stretch Palace. Um, I mean, the chance that you refer to um, <laughs> happened in the four- in, in first half injury time. Um, and it was the one sort of time where they kind of switched to play quick. Um, Kirby like pulled down the ball and right and plays in JRK. Obviously goes over the keeper, but you know puts the shot into the side netting. That was the best chance. Um, as Sophie said, Fran did have like that speculative effort, which just went over sort of very early on. And I think there was also a Mario Ramirez header from a Neil Charles cross, but like, it, it didn't look like it was the easiest uh, chance. See, at least watching it live, and I've watched it back since, and I don't, you know, I still don't think it was a particularly easy chance to go to get, but. Yeah, Crystal Palace defended very well. They effectively played with a back six. They did um, really sort of make it tough for us to break them down. But yeah, I, I kind of felt like that even after half time, it still wasn't quite there until we made the subs that we did. Yeah, I mean, Johnny uh, on Mixler says it was an intense match. Palace were defensive all the way through 80 minutes aside, 80 minutes aside from one offside. Um, and obviously no shots on target, two shots in total. Um, and one corner doesn't speak of a particularly attacking outfit, but given what happened to, Sund- to Sunderland uh, midweek, um, hardly surprising that they didn't want to have the same fate handed to them uh, by the WSL's best and strongest starting eleven. Uh, anyway, um, let's just pause for a second as we welcome Dane onto the show. Yeah, so we've heard, obviously, from... From Rich and Sophie on their experience so far of the first half. Uh, we are now joined um, late, but better late than never, by uh, my regular co-host, Mr Dane Whittle. Dane, first of all, good to see you. And um, secondly, what was your thoughts on Chelsea's first half performance against Palace? Yeah, good to see you. This is now two shows running, so hopefully I'm going to keep up a consistency. The first half performance was as flat as a pancake. Pardon the Tuesday pancake day pun. Uh, it was lacking in energy, in in attacking prowess from our forwards. I thought they were just nullified. And uh, the, this happens, you know, we saw it sort of last night with the men's with a low block. You, the, you would think as intelligent as the footballers are, sometimes they just they just get a bit miffed, don't they? And they, they, they just struggle. And all it takes is, a instead of obviously the coaches or the managers trying to change things from the sidelines, what it takes is a good half-time chat and a change of a system and, and just a simple extra 10, 15, 20 yards up the field. Uh, I thought everyone was off to an extent. I thought Nee Charles was still huffing and puffing. I thought Ramirez to an extent had a couple of good turns and was 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 fouled quite clearly wasn't protected very well i've i've forgotten the crystal palace's player's name she was number 8 uh, tall with 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 short socks 
Uh, and she uh, her job was just to foul. Uh, she'd cut in from the left and just stop up play, very like tactical s like Guardiola, Barcelona, Man City style tactical fouling. Uh, and you needed a strong ref to like you know stop that quite early on with with a couple of yellow cards, but she allowed them to get away a bit. So I, I don't think that helped for obviously the tempo much either. Yeah, pretty much echoing the thoughts of Sophie and Rich on that on that first half. Um, in the second half, Sophie, you know, obviously it looked like Ramirez started to get a bit more involved in the play. She obviously had uh, a chance that was well saved by Lamborn in the Palace goal. Uh, then she hit the bar. Um, obviously, I'm not sure on the minutes of this. I think Aggie was on at this point. By the time she got these chances, as Rich said, we yeah. played better after the subs. But did it feel like the goal was coming or was there a tension that one of those games where Chelsea can play all day long and not score? Well, you know me, I'm over the football pessimist. So, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I was in the latter camp that I thought, oh, is this the game that we're going to miss the uh, the clutch sanker? Um, no, I think Rich is spot on. I think the subs made a real difference, especially Aggie. Whereas JRK wasn't necessarily taking the player on and getting past her as soon as Aggie came on she was doing that she was taking the player on she was getting past her she was creating space for Ashley Lawrence around her and, and players inside um, and I think that made a big difference to how we played and the space it was creating because suddenly they had to worry about putting a defend two defenders out there or three defenders out there rather than just maybe the one or two they had in the first half um, and ultimately that's where that's the side of the pitch that the goal came from with a cross from Ashley Lawrence but yeah, Ramirez's um, goal that I've not seen it on the highlights anywhere. So I don't know why it was offside or I think Ramirez was coming back from an offside position. So I don't know if she was deemed to be interfering with play. That's why it was flagged. If we'd had VAR, would it have been overturned? I don't know. But I, I suspect it was offside straight away. So I straight away looked over and realised it wasn't and didn't celebrate, unlike everybody else around me. Um but I think that was just a couple of minutes before the, the goal, or it certainly felt like it. Um, and, yeah, I think Aggie really made a difference. And Nuskin does as well. She just offers something a little bit different when she comes on as a sub. I think when she starts games, unless she's playing right back against Sunderland randomly, um, she she almost gets lost in that midfield. Whereas I think when she comes on as a sub, she can impact the game really well. Um, and I think she she made a difference as well. Yeah, I mean, Rich, you was sort of nodding in agreement there when we were talking about Aggie Beaver Jones, and we speak so much about her positivity and her forward thinking. Her first thought is always, how do I get in behind or I want to take this player on? Um, uh, so we said that opened up the game for us, and interestingly, they didn't put the offside goal on the highlights. Uh, so obviously no idea that had happened, um, so I wasn't able to watch the match. Uh, but, you know, again... Same sort of question to you. Did it feel like that goal was, was going to come? Well, I always think yes. <laughs> and it's, I think players always think that anyway. Um, they always feel like they're going to score, even when it's not been a particularly good performance. Uh, yeah, Aggie made a big difference when she came on. As I said, it was the going in behind or running in behind, also taking on uh, defenders. She's not scared to do that. And when she goes past them, she'll put the ball into the cross. I think she created about three or four chances after she came on. Um, and, you know, eventually um, we obviously do break them down. Um, just going back to the, the disallowed goal, I think Ramirez and Nuskin were both standing in a fairly safe, similar area. So I could understand why 
if it was Ramirez only who was flagged offside, why it was given as that. They were both kind of standing in the same area. Ramirez definitely was offside. I don't know about Nushkin for sure, but they were both kind of in the same sort of area of the pitch when it came back in, um, at least from the bit of the uh, of the south stand that I was in. Um, yeah, yeah, Aggie definitely made a big difference when she came on. Yeah, we so that Johnny agrees with on, on Mixler as well about Aggie Beaver Jones. Um, and Dane, obviously, the goal did come in the 81st minute. Uh, Lua Boz releasing Lawrence down the right hand side. Who crossed for Ramirez at the front post, and that was a finish worthy of winning any football match. Yeah, very confident considering, you know, she's probably still on a high from from the transfer. You know, meeting her teammates, the whole the whole newness about you know about fresh feeling, uh, but still the audacity to do that. Still, when you haven't scored your first goal for the club, is shows the sort of hopefully it shows the sort of. Uh, well, footballer she is and she's going to be for Chelsea. Uh, just to go back to what the others were saying, I was the only thing I wasn't worried about Palace scoring. All I was worried about was potentially losing on penalties because then that is a lottery. Uh, I never thought Palace once at like scoring, and I'm never one for when it's oh unlucky Palace or this if a team's just going to come and and defend. You know that's that's their prerogative. You know I've got no problem with that. But then. If a team who's been attacking or trying to attack or trying to score a goal the whole game eventually scores that goal, why is it always unfortunate for the team who, who wanted to defend the whole game? Uh, but going back to that finish, yeah, very impressive. I, I thought she was lively. Uh, she 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 sort of buzzes around in her own sort of way because she she looks a little bit of a unit, not like a, a Kirby buzzing around. Uh, and as I said, she a couple of times she was pulled back by her hair. Sure, she was. It felt like to an extent, which I thought was well, the referee just didn't jump on. But you no, know, she kept her head, didn't she? She kept her head, and uh, it's very exciting because she she's got a turn of pace, uh, which I think we've seen flashes of, and with. With a game potentially on Friday night where there'll be more space, that will be very interesting to see. Yeah, I'll tell you why she scored. It's because I wasn't there. Well, I thought you'd say because Jane went for a week. No, and I wasn't watching either. So she thought, I know what I do. I've scored an amazing goal that you can only watch on YouTube. Because that happens a lot to me. Um, I mean, Sophie, you could call it a touch of cup magic. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of uh, Zola-esqueness about it from the when he scored against Norwich in the cup in, what was it, 19... 94 something like that no he wasn't there then 96 97 98 anyway sometime around then it was fantastic when we when we saw it go in it was at our end and we saw it go and we were just like wow what a goal I mean what a way to mark mark your your first goal for the club it was brilliant I think going back to how she performed the rest of the game I think her hair was pulled a couple of times um I also think they marked her with three players all the time so if she beat one player she then had to beat another two players and I just wonder if not having LJ in the team, they'd obviously set up to play with LJ. And when LJ then dropped out right at the last minute, not having that other player that can run and what's what I'm looking for? Use up, that's a bad word, use up defenders. Occupy. Suddenly occupy, thank you. <laughs> occupy defenders. Suddenly that's all of that defense goes on um Ramirez. So I just wonder if LJ had been in the team, if again, it, it's a moot point because she wasn't. If 
we'd seen it, we might have seen a different outcome and, and more goals earlier in the game. But yeah, Ramirez was just like so tightly marked. She'd beat a player, they'd either then pull her back or there'd be two others for her to get through. Um, and they weren't averse, as I say, to hair pulling or just shirt pulling or pulling her down. Um, which, yeah, it's frustrating, but she, we, we and her are going to have to get used to it, just like Lauren's had to get used to it. Because if she's she is as good as, as she seems to be, then people are going to foul her because that's the only way you're going to be able to stop her. We've just got to then take advantage of that, of those free kicks, be it something a little bit different or actually getting our heads on them or whatever in the box or getting decent crosses in from them to make teams think, well, OK, if we if we foul her, we're going to get punished anyway. So what else can we do? Yeah, and having players where you need to double up on them, eventually you're going to run out of defenders uh, to do that. Uh, which should come to our advantage. Uh, Rich, I'll let you chime in on the goal as well, because I think it deserves um, people that were there to witness it in the flesh uh, to, to tell us more about it. And I can produce great headlines for shows, but I wasn't there, so I can't describe this goal in all its glory. So I'll, I'll leave that to you. Yeah, so um, the ball was basically... Um, uh, well, Neve basically sort of did a switch from the, the left-hand side, um, which Aggie picked up. And then laid it back to Melly, who it's like a, a ball, just clips in a ball first time, and it it we got in behind. And I didn't realise how good that pass was until after, and I watched it back because it was one of the few times we kind of caught Palace on the hop, and uh, Lawrence obviously Lawrence running behind and then putting the ball for uh, Ramirez, um, and obviously the finish is fantastic. But also, I think she was anticipating that was going to happen as well, um, at least sort of the movement, because she obviously makes her movement to the, the near post pretty quick. Um, and sort of going back to how she sort of played as well, um, in the move that basically led up to the, the offside uh, goal, um, I'm pretty sure that she hit the bar. And it was kind of sort of like a similar move where there was a bit of... She did. One of the few times in the game, there was some one-touch passing that had sort of occurred. Well, I think it was Charles who basically played the ball into Ryan and Ryan hit across sort of first time and Ramirez uh, hit the bar with like, I think she just poked out her toe and it hit the bar. Um, but she does seem to be uh, gaining better chemistry with her teammates, um, obviously after being there for a few weeks, which is good to see. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, and she also had a, a shot sort of early in the second half where she rolled a defender, just used her strength really well and got a shot off, which the keeper saved. The keeper, by the way, annoyed a lot of people in the South Stand <laughs> in the second half uh, by just leaving a water bottle just just over the goal line. Um, and for most of the second half, um, the South Stand were basically just shouting at her to basically pick up the bottle and move it um, and try to get the referee's attention. And just uh, just wouldn't do it every time. And I almost respect that she wasn't doing it at all. Um but yeah, luckily that didn't play a factor because obviously we would have had we could have had the nightmare scenario where the ball hits a bottle of water and doesn't go in. Um, but yeah, luckily it didn't. But who was it that started that chant, Rich? Was it you? No, I didn't start the chant. It was someone. It was someone I think further further down because I usually usually at the back, but uh, with the south stand. But no, it was someone someone at the front. Um, uh, I can't even remember what was said. It was just just basically along the lines of move the water bottle. But it wasn't me. Yeah, movie bottle out the goal, wasn't it? Oh yeah, movie bottle out the goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair play to her, I think. Um, their big day out, isn't it? I suppose. Uh, with Liverpool, she's that sort of player where she does amazing things every week. But every time she does it, it's like, oh yeah, she's actually she's a really good football player. 
Uh, I don't know why we seem to forget, or I seem to forget anyway, that she is. Um, so obviously we go one nil up with, with sort of ten minutes to play. Maybe expect the opposition to come out and give a, a go because they've got nothing to lose now. Um, but no shots on target. The highlights didn't show them going near the goal once. Uh, I mean, Dane said he didn't fear them scoring. Was that a right assessment that Palace weren't in this game at all from an attacking? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, they they did they they stepped. The, the keeper Lamborn kept taking the same amount of time for free kicks. I was expecting after we scored, like the the goal kicks to to get super quick, like they normally do. But no, she put the ball down, took her time, knocked it long. Um, yeah, carried on exactly the same way. So they were sort of like I think hoping for a set piece or something to to try and get a goal in, or were taking a one nil loss as a victory almost. Um, which you can't blame them really. They they defended really well. Um, so yeah, it was it is what it was. I mean, the the ten minutes of added time that we should have had, we had eight minutes of. That was right. I mean, at the time when it, I was thinking about, it, I thought we know what as long added time as we can get because we hadn't scored yet. After we scored, I was like, oh, I don't really want ten minutes now. But in the end, it was eight minutes. I think that was fair because Palace did do a lot of time wasting. And as Emma said afterwards, the ball felt like it was out of the game more than it was in the game. Yeah, I mean, Rick, speaking of Emma, she said she described it as a cup game. Uh, Palace with five at the back uh, that they don't usually do. Shirt pulling, time wasting, the ball out of play more in this game than any other. Uh, what I understood from that was the game was shit. Um, was that a fair <laughs> assessment? Yeah. <laughs> In a matter of words, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really blame Palace sort of for the tactics that they use. I mean, they're effectively just trying to shorten the game um and try to obviously try to get to uh uh to extra time and beyond with the ball being in play as little as possible. And, you know, they they did a pretty good job of it. It's just I think event I think as I kind of said before, once Aggie came on and sort of started having a go of it, it just made the game was just a bit more stretched. And that's when we really started to create chances. And, you know, um, you know, in, in, even in injury time, Aggie's pulls back a ball to right, uh, sorry, to Melly, um, and she hits the post with a shot um, as well. So, it, it, you know, the chances sort of were keeping coming. I think Jess Carter-Shiver also had a penalty as well. It was a free kick that was from out wide. Like re- I think it was an injury time. Um, it was like a ball was put in and Jess was pretty clearly held and referee just wouldn't know. Yeah. AI refs is the future of WSL, I think. <laughs> um, artificial intelligence. Um, as long as they're Bill or Family Heaslet. Yeah. Yeah. That's the brain of the operations. Then I'm fine with that as well. Um, I was saying there were a couple of offside decisions that were flagged offside, but obviously the goal was others, but there were others where we probably weren't offside. But we were so quick and our players were so quick that the lines people just couldn't keep up. And because they were ahead of the play, they they flagged them offside. So yeah. I don't think the refing team had their best game, put it that way. No, times on the West End, you see how far back they are from the play. It's like you can never give a decision from where you are. And I know when Simon's on the show, he sits at the sort of penalty box um, hates the lines people more than more than me. Um, uh, David, Emma also mentioned, you know, finding a way to win. You know, it's not one-dimensional. Some weeks you do it this way, some weeks you do it another way. I suppose that's all that matters, that Chelsea won one nil and they're in the in the hat for the next round. Yeah, it, 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 you know, it, <laughs> it, we, we, 
got a bit carried away, didn't we, in the on our previous show? We just seen us uh score quite a few past Sunderland and we were all like thinking of four, fives and sixes for this game. Uh and yeah, I suppose in hindsight it's easy to get excited, but you know, as I said earlier, Palace came to not concede. Uh, you know, they're they're having a good season. Uh, you know, they're doing well within their own right, within their own league, and you wonder if they would have but you know, they no one's got divine right. They don't have to just step up the field twenty yards or play open just to suit us so then we can play better. They thought they did what they thought was best, then you imagine if they would have lost five, six, seven nil and then that could have you know, off railed their season. Uh so I don't blame them for playing that way. It wasn't exactly exciting to watch. Commentary was 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 shocking. Uh it was clearly done by someone in their house and the levels of, of their voice compared to the noises from so off and so out of touch. Uh so it was a hard watch overall. But listen, we're in the we're in the next round of the FA Cup. Uh to go with all the other Amazing things we're going for this season. So you take it. Do you know what I mean? You know, they're footballers at the end of the day. They did the job at the end of the day and that was it. Yeah. Uh, so she also described Palace as a WSL team. And I suppose if this was a league match, losing 1-0 away to Chelsea is a good result. Uh, in the FA Cup, I suppose you're out of the cup. Out of the cup so I don't know how good you can say that is. Uh, but how much credit do you think they should take from their performance given what we did to Sunderland? And also just to mention on their fans and the atmosphere, because I know that Palace put out scarves and flags for their fans in the North Stand. Uh, first time I've ever really seen the team make an effort with their away supporters. Yeah, definitely. I think they had pretty much most of the North Stand. So the, the bit on the, as we would look at it, so from the South Stand looking at the North Stand, the bit on the left-hand side had loads of scarves over the seats. That was full. Then there was like the ultras at the back of the bit behind the goal and they had like a Palace flag behind them. They were the ones that were generating a lot of the noise. And then there seemed to be like groups of Palace fans dotted around the other part of the North Stand as well, with maybe some Chelsea fans right on the end. So they definitely bought a decent amount, probably more than any other team I've seen here, apart from Arsenal, I think. So, yeah, they definitely bought a good amount. And they had all the old the men's Palace songs going um, for a lot of the game as well. So definitely sort of behind the team and generating um, atmosphere for, for their end of the of the ground. Yeah, fair play to them. I suppose which is it's a nice change, I suppose, from seeing what we saw sort of West Ham in the last round, brought about ten fans. Um we can maybe replace some of these clubs in the WSL soon. Yeah, I think I saw um a tweet from their uh, official account earlier that said they had four hundred and fifty in the away end um on Sunday, which is pretty you know, pretty good number. And yeah, as Sophie said, they made some noise. Um you know, I, I don't think there's been a better team uh, or better like sort of a way end this season than them. Um, obviously, you know, we've had some of the games, you know, move to the bridge. But, of, you know, of the away ends or the, the away fans that we have had, they probably they probably were the best. And yeah, um, I mean, they're looking, I think, I can't remember where they are in the championship. But I know they've scored the most amount of goals by a pretty big margin, actually. So... You know, they might, you know, we might see them next season in the league, um, uh, depending on where they actually are. I think that there must be like second or third at least. I haven't looked at the table for a bit, but the goals they've scored was the clear sort of marker or like thing to sort of, you know, that stands out when you look at the table for them. 
Um, but yeah, um, yeah, they were. It was definitely much, much better atmosphere than it was when West Ham. I, I don't know. I mean, West Ham brought single digits. I, mean, I, I can't even say. I, I, yeah, one, one, one carload. Um, I think for West Ham. <laughs> um, and when I did the research, I do do research sometimes with the show. Uh, oh. on uh, Sunderland the second, and they're a point above Palace. Um, who are in third, so uh, Southampton, I think, got a game in hand, I think. Yeah, so yeah, we could see them, and as as Dane said, uh, yeah. pick the beat by us, Sunderland could derail their season. Uh, yeah, Palace have, a, Palace have a game in hand, if they win it, they'll be top. Yeah, so yeah, so see. yeah, they're definitely in the mix, yeah, yeah, and if they do a league expansion, I suppose, be Palace and I was listening to another podcast last week and they had one of the Palace players on the podcast and she was saying that they'd been training to play in a completely different style to how they normally play to play against us and that was obvious because they clearly don't play like that if they've scored the most goals in the Championship and then number nine I think had scored 14 goals in 14 games leading up to the game against us so fair play to them for playing as defensively well as they did do and that's not that normal not, not their normal style of play. Yeah, Emma did make a point of their five at the back, actually, um, that they don't do. Uh, so, obviously, they was expecting something completely different as well. Uh, but, yeah, fair play to them uh, and good luck to them for the rest of their And season. wasn't the manager one of our coaches for a while? She had been in the Chelsea system and she was in the Tottenham system as well at some point or youth or assistant coach or something. Yeah, uh, I did mention it on commentary. Yeah. Yeah. They must be bored of losing to us by now, though. Uh, all three uh, under 18 boys men's and women's this weekend uh, Chelsea getting wins over Palace uh, we like to keep it that way uh, now obviously we do do a play of the match poll I didn't watch the match but Simon Kingman uh, our good friend did do the poll for me uh, Aggie Beaver Jones got 11% uh, for her cameo Ashley Lawrence 16% Erin Cup at 17% uh, but Ramirez was the runaway winner with 56% Um Sophie, obviously, I've got no comments on this poll at all, but I'll let you have your say on it. Um, as per normal, the person I would have given player of the match to isn't on the poll. <laughs> um, I thought Melanie Lurpols was superb in this game. I really do. She was an oasis in, of calm in that midfield. Um, and that pass through for Ash Lawrence to put the cross in on the goal, as Rich said, you didn't realise how good it was until you watched it back on the on the highlights. Um, but yeah, no, I thought she... Every time she touched the ball, she just created space around her and oozed calmness and quality. And as you say, you forget how good she is. And then when she plays, you think, how on earth did we ever play without her? She's she's such such a good, good player. Yeah, when I tweeted it, uh, Clayton Beerman, who's been on the show, he, he mentioned Leopold's as his choice. Um, Rich, what about you? Yeah, I'm agreeing with Sophie. I've, I think it was Melly. Um as you know, I, I don't think there were too many sort of standout players in the game. Um, it was just it was just one of those where it was very difficult to sort of you know pick who it was. And I get I get why people have voted for Myra um, because she did have chances, and you know she is connecting better with the rest of her team. And obviously she did score the only goal of the game, and it was a great goal. But yeah, um, I can't really add any more words than what Sophie said. She's a cl- she's a class act on the ball, and yeah. Yeah, that's where, that's where the guy came from. That, that just that quick little pass over the top. Are you going to make it a full house, Dave? No, uh, I I agree with Sophie about Lawrence. I thought Lawrence had a good game, but I thought so did Neve Charles. I thought they were both 
up either side of those flanks, really trying to, you know, to push Palace even further back to make something happen. The good thing about Neve Charles is she's she's really comfortable on her left side, but also obviously she's naturally right. So she's so impressive and she's still learning the position and she, she looks like she's played there for, for so many years. Uh, I thought Erin had a typical game. I thought Aggie, although she I, she helped change the game, it wasn't one of her best displays, but it's just her energy and she buzzes around. She had a couple of long, long crosses that just went off for goal kicks. But I I was desperate for her to come on because I knew her, her way her energy is, the way she, she can go left, she can go right. You know, pace scares people. Uh, so she did that. Uh, but some obviously some of the final decisions just didn't come off. It's just one of those things. But yeah, I'm a, I, you know I'm a, I'm from the strikers union, so I'm I'm coming from someone coming into a completely different new culture, new teammates. Probably doesn't know the language, and to to pull that audacity to pull that off, you know. So when you play, no matter what level it is, you sort of know when confidence is high and when it is not. And she must for, to have not scored yet, and to do that she must be a very confident player so yeah I'm gonna I'll go with a strike all day long even if they stand on the halfway line like I used to do for 85 minutes with my hands on my hips you turn up at the last minute and score a goal then yeah get all the glory good luck to you Simon's actually hates (laughs) when strikers win player of the match they don't do nothing but score Uh, not that Ramirez did just do that um we got the lost spirit of Jay Flem on Mixler saying that she agrees that they agree that Melly and Aggie Beaver Jones is joint players of the match. Um, and I think I'm gonna have to sack Simon from doing polls anymore. Two... Well, Aaron's always going to be in there when Simon does it, isn't he? Isn't yeah, she? So... I suppose. Uh, but Mixler's not on me this time. Uh, so there we go. Uh, I suppose the final thing then, Everton away in the quarter final, uh, which if I'm right, Rich, which I'm not often right, is that the last time we lost? In this competition, in the quarterfinal, away to Everton. Yeah, but that was a Goodison Park in lockdown. Um, I don't. I assume we wouldn't be playing at Goodison this time. We'd be playing at Warrnambool Park. Um, but yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, what year would that have been? Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like July or August twenty twenty. Um, it was after the season, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, because we. Um, uh, we won the, yeah, we'd we'd um we'd won the, uh, obviously we won the league WSL, um, obviously because the season had shortened, and then, the, I think was it the next time we played, we had these FA Cup games, um, yeah, good lord, that was a while ago. Yeah, I mean, so have you thoughts on the draw? Obviously, all the big teams, well, Chelsea and Man City, avoid each other in this competition. <laughs> Uh, but not the easiest to draw away uh, in the park uh, in Liverpool. No, not the easiest, but I would have taken it beforehand. If somebody said Everton away, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be up for that. Um, better if we'd been at home, obviously, but Everton away. To be honest with you, anybody apart from City, I would have been happy with, um, as we'll come on to. The, 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 the preview City scare me so the most we can uh, we've got to play them in the Conti Cup let's try and avoid them in the FA Cup as well please yeah Everton were the last team to beat Chelsea in the Women's FA Cup winning 2-1 at Goodison Park in the quarterfinal in September 2020 uh, and obviously they meet again uh, in 2024 the old uh, red and blue kit we gave away Dane uh, Chelsea wore that day uh, looking mm. at Frank getting taken out um, oh yeah yeah 
Awesome. Yeah, do we have a... Yeah, well, as especially as when I knew someone who could, could print it up. Yeah, I don't know them anymore. <laughs> They've left that company, so that was a, that was a one-off. And yeah, it was a nice little kit, that wasn't it? Yeah, but your thoughts on the draw? Yeah, I, I was happy with that. Like Sophie said about City, uh, it, it, it was nice to avoid them for now. But let's be honest, we're gonna if if we get through this and they get through, then it's likely that if we can avoid them in the semis again. Then it'll be a nice final. <laughs> Avoid them in the semis, and it'll be a nice, a nice final to go and watch. Uh, I'm not. If Sophie said she was scared by them, I'm a pessimist. Think, Dane, don't forget, I'm a pessimist. <laughs> I just think something. There's. It can either go two ways this season. I think it's going to be something special. I'm. I'm very confident that we'll be going all out, going out on high with Emma. I think. Yeah, I would have liked a home draw because it's just another match that I can get to. Uh, but uh, away to Everton, the other fixtures are Liverpool uh, face Leicester, uh, Tottenham host Man City and Brighton face Man United. Uh, those fixtures to be played on the 9th and 10th of March. Uh, so just under a month's time for them. Um, right, we're going to go for a break now and then when we come back we're going to talk about uh, the Manchester City game on Friday. Uh, before we do that, a reminder that issue nine of Kings Meadow Chronicle is still available to buy online. Um, it's reduced in price online, so if you're in the UK, you can just pay a pound and then a pound delivery, so the two pound you would pay in person, uh, you can get the fanzine for that. There's just over 30 copies left, and I'll have the rest of them, uh, hopefully outside Kings Meadow on Friday, uh, ahead of that game against Man City. So if you do want one, uh, which features great writers, including Sophie, who's with us tonight, um, make sure you order one quickly before they all go by Friday. And then issue 10 will be out in time for the Leicester game uh, after the international break uh, in March. Um, so don't go anywhere and we will be right back. Uh, welcome back to part two of Went to Mo Kings Meadow time then to look ahead to Manchester City in the WSL this Friday at Kings Meadow. Um, and Dana, obviously a huge game in the title race, uh, but sort of in our favour that it's not a game that we must win. Uh it's more sort of a do not lose, which I think Emma sort of prefers. Uh, no, we can just get a point from the game and be happy with it. Uh, whereas City have that pressure where if they want to win this title, they really do think have to beat us at home. Which, let's be honest, they don't seem to be scared of us playing at home. Uh, coming off a good result. Uh, is is that correct at Arsenal now out of all competitions? And is there anyone asking any questions? No, what are they still in? Monty Cup, they play London City Lionesses tomorrow night. So, and then they play Villa in the semi-final if they beat them. So, I think they're probably, probably going to be in the final of the Conti Cup. So, so they, could, if... they could win the Conti Cup again. No questions being asked about old Jonas at the moment. No, not oh, not, not season he's expected. Us, no doubt. I've heard a few people wondering about him. Yeah, I feel yeah, the Emirates. What more do you want? Yeah, well, yeah, well, you've got that. Uh, so, obviously, Man City coming off a good result because they lost at, at Arsenal in the league, didn't they? Earlier on in the season, I'm sure they did. So, so to go there with the confidence and, and win, it looked like, stats-wise, it was a tight game. I saw the highlights, uh, which involved Katie McGabe, which I think it's always funny to see Katie getting involved. Old Chelsea fan Katie getting involved all the time, winding people up. Uh and it's going to be a tough game. It is going to be a tough game. Uh, it's hard 
to go in with with a thought process of well we can get away with a draw they have to win because Man City do come at us that that game earlier that game earlier was it yeah when they really come at us early on didn't they and we looked so unfit uh, and there's some some risky and some surprising team selections. Uh, Aaron Cuthbert was so off the pace, it was untrue. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game to watch. Uh, for some reason, I keep on seeing Man City's ground, but it's our ground, stupidly. Uh, so I've, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I am confident. I'm, it, it's a hell of a difference playing away to playing home. Yeah, I, I think it's two different teams. It's like Chelsea playing Arsenal at home. We are so comfortable against Arsenal at home. At the Emirates, but yeah, something about the Emirates, I think, gets to Emma Hayes. Um, there's a ghost there or something. Um, so if it is the biggest test of the season for me, uh, City obviously, as we said, in great form, won all of the last five games. Um, I do think they are gettable defensively. Um, and also the fact that this is at Kings Meadow and not Stanford Bridge, and I think Chelsea deliberately avoid Man City at a big stadium with that bigger pitch because of how they play with their wide players. Um, but we have had a lot of joy against City at home uh, in recent years. Yeah, we have. I mean, as, as Dane said, the Etty, the mini had whatever it is called up there, the Joy Stadium. Um, it's a bit of a bogey ground for us. I think we've only ever won there in COVID. I'm not sure if we've ever won there with our, our fans there. Um, so, yeah, so makes the Conti Cup semi-final up there a bit scarier. Yeah, we, we're a different team at home. Um and I still get scared by them, but then I always overestimate how good opposition teams are and underestimate how good we can be. So, um, as I say, football pessimist comes out in force in these big games <laughs> and I get worried beforehand and very nervous and I don't enjoy watching them and the people around me don't enjoy watching them either. So apologies to anybody who stood near me in the South Stand on Friday because I won't be a happy person unless we're winning like 2-0, 3-0 by half time or something like that. So... Yeah, it, it 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 should be a good game. A good two very good teams. Before the game at the away, I I said whoever I can see whoever wins these games is going to be the team that wins the league. Um, because City haven't got Europe to concentrate on, and they've got a settled squad. Um, and even without Jill Rod, you can bring in um Mary Fowler or um Philippa Angledal, and and then they seem to carry on playing the way they're playing. So the settled squad has worked for them this season because they haven't got injuries. So um yeah, their front three are are scarily good sometimes, but you're right, they can be got out defensively. Yeah, they are a team that starts a bit slow and, and builds up their trajectory. Uh I'm quite glad that we're planning quite early on uh in terms of the league uh second game. Uh, and Rich, I know you like your NFL, and I had to find a way to mention my beloved Chiefs at some point tonight. So here it is. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a huge oh, yeah. on Chelsea's back after four consecutive WSL titles. Uh, Alex Greenwood's already spoken about wanting to beat Chelsea. Uh, but like the Chiefs on Sunday in the Super Bowl, uh, Chelsea know how to find a way to win. And we just spoke about a result on Sunday that encapsulates that perfectly. Uh, are you expecting a few corn dogs on Friday? <laughs> What a reference, Rubbish. by the way. <laughs> Rubbish. Uh, um, so I'm kind of going into it thinking that this season, um, well, if we go back to last season with Manchester City, especially in the, the big away games, I think they lost all three of them. Um, and when I'm talking about the big three, I'm talking about us, United and Arsenal. I'm pretty sure they lost all three. 
they've won the first two this season. They won at Matt Old Trafford and really silenced Old Trafford. Uh, oh no, sorry, they lost the league game against Arsenal. No, I stand corrected. They lost the league game two one to Arsenal, but they have just beaten Arsenal at Meadow Park. So they've, you know, they've kind of corrected that. And um, there was sort of a pattern with Manchester City in these away games that I've sort of noticed where they'd have control of the game in the first half, or this is the kind of the way it sort of goes. They they have control in the first half and then they don't take their chances. And in the second half, the other team does. And that played out quite a lot last season in those games. I don't think it has this time, apart from the Arsenal one. But then again, the Arsenal one, it was basically because of a mistake from the goalkeeper that they scored the second. Um, it was Blackstenius who sort of ran on to like a, and scored into an empty net. Um, I do think they're definitely better than they were last season. Um, I, I think their starting eleven is really good. If they get injuries towards the end of the season, I don't know how well they can replace some of those players. Because I don't think the squad is definitely not as deep as ours. Um, obviously, the front three are excellent. Um, it's a real, really good blend of players that they've got up front, um, and they're kind of set. Um, I'm kind of glad that we've brought in someone like Romero Ramirez because, you know, at least our defenders have got practice against someone who's going to be as physical as Myra is, um, obviously in Buddy Shaw, um, who, again, on the cup game on Sunday, because I was sort of watching it in the in the West Ham bar beforehand, she was getting fouled a lot. Um, and I don't think she gets the fair treatment from referees. Maybe hopefully that continues on Friday. Um yeah, I think they've been pretty good this season. And, you know, we know, fortunately, that a draw is OK for us. Um, City do need to come up and come up or come down to us and win, um, ideally for them. Um, so, yeah, it's a, don't, I don't really know which way this is going to go. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of feel like it, it probably does play into our hands that City will have to open up. Definitely, obviously, they're not going to play like Crystal Palace. Um, they are going to have a go, and they've obviously got the players that can, you know, be you know be very effective against us. But then, you know, flip that round, you know, hopefully LJ's back, um, and you know, hopefully there's a sort of a bit more space for our four players to, you know, um, to be really effective. And yeah, I think that I think we've got a pretty good record against at Kings Meadow against them. So you know, hopefully that pays off again. Yeah, I mean, this is a good thing about having mixed luck because I don't, I tell, I do research sometimes, not all the time. But as you mentioned, Bunny Shaw, a couple of comments that she has a calf injury. Uh, yeah, it's it's something that she did come off after about an hour against um, against Arsenal. But um, from what I think, from what the comments I read from Gareth Taylor said that it's something they've been managing over the last few weeks. So I'd still expect that she's going to start on Friday. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to be like, oh, 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 she's in. Oh, you know, um, I'm going to expect, yeah, I fully expect that she's playing. I think it's just something that she's been nursing. So she might get subbed off again um, sort of early, but I fully expect she's going to start. Well, even we're to kick her. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, Sophie, a win puts Chelsea six points clear. Uh, with eight games to go, probably would say that that is the league title one, uh, if anything, the last few seasons is the go by. Uh, if we can win, uh, and I think that just piles more pressure on on City. If anything, you know, so they need to come away with something from this game. 
Yeah, definitely. As um, I can't remember, as Dana Rich said, it's a must not lose for us, but it's a must win for them. Um, and generally, those situations are ones that we we thrive in, especially in at, at Kings Meadow. Uh, so yeah, interesting to see how they they do react to the pressure because, as Rich said last season, they didn't necessarily come up clutch. This season, they seem to be doing that more so, uh, especially Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly. Um, and especially towards the end of game. So we've got to keep on our toes for the whole game um, and, yeah, keep them quiet because the, the, Chloe Kelly especially, I just think she's QPR fan. She's going to hate Chelsea anyway, isn't she? But she's really going to want to beat us in, in, in that. And she seems to be that attitude she's got at the moment. She was winding the Arsenal fans up apparently on uh, on Sunday. She's been known to wind the Man U fans up. So I think there's a little bit of... a uh, that shithousery in there that we all uh, we all love in our players, uh, but hate in opposition players. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I won't say I'm looking forward to it. I'll be looking forward to it if we're winning three 0 at half time or something silly like that. But yeah, as I said, I hate these sorts of sorts of games. So, three well, 0 half time is still a little bit early for me. <laughs> um, let's get to the seventy fifth minute, and then maybe we can relax a little bit. Um, a day obviously we spoke last week about Chelsea having an A team and a B team at the minute. Um. So Sunday was sort of sort of expecting a similar team to what we played on on Friday. So a similar team to what we had on Sunday. Uh, probably Lauren James in for Kirby. Or do you think Emma Hayes will throw a couple of surprises because uh, City's midfield does worry me? And if we don't match up the numbers in there, I think that's a an area we can be got at. So surprises in an extra central midfielder like Ingle, as well as Aaron and Melanie, or or Nuskin. Well. Yeah, perhaps, but I'm asking your thoughts. What would, what would you do? I think possibly if we were the, the away team, I think she will stick with the four-two-three-one unless she puts one of the... Uh, the only way you can do that is possibly, you, as I said, you bring in like an ingle and a cuff, but and you, you move one of them slightly forward to play in that three behind the forward. But again, you're changing something which, you know... As we've seen, it's likely to be Lauren there. We presume Guro. She's like Joanna again. I think she's been a little bit ineffective in recent weeks. But I think Guro's been ineffective recently because the levels... I think we've been spot with Guro. I think the levels she's reached in the last 18 months to two years, uh, she's struggling to reach them this season. So it happens. Um doesn't doesn't make them a bad player, doesn't mean they've lost it. It just means that, you know, they just they hit a lull for a little while. Perfect game to get it back on, on, on Friday. Uh, I just don't think she'll go with a four, two, three, one. You know, she can change, she can adjust in game. Well, I think she'll do Hampton, Lawrence, Carter, Bjorn, Charles, Cuthbert, Leopold, Cameron, James, Wright and, and Ramirez. Uh, and Sophie, well, we saw against Everton a few weeks ago where they went to that four-four-two out of possession, and maybe try and shut the midfield off that way uh, in their shape. Um, what's your thoughts on the team? Oh, your sound's not coming through at all. You're not on mute, but it's... oh, you are on mute. Sorry, yeah, sorry, I'm on mute. Um, I think she will play that team but I would be tempted to bring Kirby into that 10 and put LJ out wide because Kirby works better defensively in that position than 
LJ does. And by putting LJ out wide, you still get her running with the ball ability um, like that you get when she's in the 10. Um, but then you lose. No, she's getting better at tracking back. That's not fair to say you lose her defensive capability. You don't because she's getting a lot better at tracking back than, than she has been. I think that's one side of her game that's really, really, really stepped on. So I would be tempted, and I, clearly I'm not Emma, to play Kirby instead of JRK and have a front four of Kirby, James, Ramirez and Guru. Yeah, I mean, Rich is always sort of, not the risk, but the sort of temptation to worry too much about the opposition and build your team around them rather than focus on the talents that we've got. Um and not play to our own strengths. I mean, what do you think Emma's going to do? What would what, what would you do? I think Emma might put Perise in for Lawrence. I do feel like she trusts Perise in games where we might have to defend a bit more. Um, as good as Lawrence has been over sort of the last few weeks, it does seem to be something that Emma does do um, in these sort of bigger games. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah, I'm almost tempted to do the pack up midfield thing, but then I do think it, that also takes away from our our strengths going forward. Um, and I'll probably keep it as a four two three one personally. Um, and then I don't know what I'd do with LJ though. I don't know whether the move would be. Uh, I mean, she likes she has been liking uh, Nuskin as sort of like as you've sort of brought up, like almost like the, the sort of the Jesse Fleming type player. And then maybe you move Lauren out, out wide potentially. Um, yeah. Um, I think that's maybe what I would do. Um, I think, yeah, as I said, I think Emma might bring Perisay in. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really want us to, Obviously, we got we got to you know nullify their threats as much as possible. But then we got to obviously realize it's it's a difficult sort of act to to balance. I think City's team, are pretty sure that that's going to pick themselves, so they know. Maybe we're the ones that got to you know slightly think about it a little bit more. Yeah, a bit of a tough one. But I think Perisay is. I think she'll start. That's my sneaky suspicion anyway. Yeah, well, as we said, we haven't got, a, haven't literally got to win. So uh, expect Buchanan and Bjorn to play in central defence, and Carter and Charles to both play left back together. Uh, in fear of Lauren Hemp and Perisay and Lawrence on the other side, and James up front and no Ramirez. Um, and the tactic is to boot the ball to Lauren James, and hopes that she can do something with it. Um, but we will see, of course. Uh, about what time's kick off? Six forty-five on Friday, is it? Four past seven. Seven, so quarter past six on Friday night. Uh, we will know how wrong or right we are uh, with that selection, anyway. Um, so I suppose it's time for score predictions. And uh, Sophie, I'll come to you first. Don't do predictions, sorry. Yeah, I just say what Dane's gonna say, though. Sophie fun. doesn't do predictions, you should know that by now. I'm just trying to ask her for it. Sorry, no, I won't. I won't break the habit of thirty years of supporting Chelsea. Every time I've done a prediction, we've gone and lost badly. So I don't <laughs> do predictions anymore. Yeah. What if you predict City to win? Then would that have a reverse effect? That just goes against everything I would want to do. So, well, I let you off then. Um, Rich, please pick Simon. Uh, so 
Dane's prediction, please. 2-1 Chelsea. 2-1. I'll go for 2-0 then. Because um, I think you're going to say that. One of those anyway. Dane, what about you? I, I did... You know, I don't think of it until you say it. And I did have 2-0 and Ben Vem scoring a late goal and maybe putting a pressure on and us holding out. Uh, so Rich has taken that. You've taken 2-0. So I'll go with 3-1. 3-1. There we go. We've got uh, the lost spirit of Jesse Fleming, 2-0. Uh, Johnny Superfan, 2-1. Uh, Buffers, 3-2 Chelsea. Uh, so um, as long as Chelsea win. Uh, where was sorry? Where was me official on? Where was she? Is she injured or she just dropped completely? We don't talk about oh, injuries. I couldn't work out if we had enough substitutes or not, or if she'd gone to the states early for the um, Gold Cup. I know she didn't play particularly well against Palace, but I think it would have been harsh to have expected so much of Ramirez about at least Mir on the bench. Uh, we had nine subs on the bench. Mm, we did have nine, yeah. Mm. But, but Lauren, I think Lauren was classed as one. Was she actually on the bench to? Available or not, so it would have been eight then. Uh, I think once once you drop out, you can't go on the subs bench. Um, yeah, well, BBC listed her. That's why I've got Robert. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, they did for some reason. Um, oh, and Beck says two one Chelsea. Can't see City not scoring. Um, Anna Hampton only keeps clean cheeks. Uh, so mm. that answers that one. That's why two 0 is going to win the prediction prize next week. Um, that prize is absolutely nothing uh, sadly that is all we've got time for this week uh, Dave thank you for eventually joining us um, good to have you back yeah sorry I made a mistake of doing updates of about 15-20 minutes to go and they took a lot longer yeah, and I thought uh, so it felt quite rushed after that but yeah it's good to be back as I said getting some sort of consistency start doing these regularly again and start seeing your ugly uh, your face again is nice obviously Nice to share it with Rich. I haven't done a show with Rich before, uh, so that was nice. And me personally, and nice to see Sophie again, which I have done a few shows with her in the past. Yeah, it is always super helpful when you have people on the show that watch the match, um, especially as a host that didn't. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Sophie, my thanks to you. Thanks for having me on again. Good to see you again, Dane. I'm glad your son's all, all, uh, all on his way back to a full health. Appreciate that. He's, he's downstairs now with the other host, the other host who didn't want to uh, come on tonight. Yeah, that's watching Toy Story 3, uh, which does get a yeah. moment at the end. Uh, so can't blame like a... Yeah, uh, and Rich, good to see you, mate. Uh, thank you for joining us again uh, and your insight in, in, into the match. Yeah, no always good to be on again. Um, and yeah, um, nice to be on the show with uh, Dane. As I said, first time uh, we've met across the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, and yeah, obviously I've been on, I think I've been on every show that I've been on, I've been on with Sophie, you know, we're keeping a very good combination going here. Mm, very good, very good, very insightful, both of you. Yeah, insightful double act, always good to have people that know what they're talking about, uh, which, which we always do on the show, uh, outside of the usual hosts anyway. <laughs> um, Just hang on to their coattails. Yeah, talking about people that know what they're talking about, we will be joined next Tuesday by Simon Kingman and Matt Ball from Wild Wild Chelsea to review that Manchester City match. Uh, so make sure to join us then. And a reminder, if you love what we do, then please consider joining up on Patreon and help support the show. Uh, your money, your £5 a month, helps us do things like pay for Mixler, pay for editing software, uh, pay for Zoom, uh, and all stuff like that, including our Future Ballers campaign that we do in the summer. Uh, the link for that is patreon.com forward slash went to Kingsmeadow. Uh, we'll leave it in the description box as well for you. 
Uh, that is all from us. Thanks for listening and from Kings Meadow to Wembley. Keep the blue flag. Bye. Bye.